The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. I will not wear the mask. 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 I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above all. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked chime? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this I hate the work of those who follow it. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmony sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will you, triumph Lord, in the works of your are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. 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 And good day, America. Welcome Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, DVXYZ people. All the boat rockers are in the house and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio where we use the Bible and the Constitution, not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. And for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsOfLibertyRadio.com and also SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. If you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right. You can see the face that's made for radio. Head over to sonsoflibertymedia.com and you got two videos at the top of the screen there. The one uh, on the left side is an educational video on Islam and the jihadi camps in the United States that the FBI is keeping a watchful eye over. And you can trust those guys, the FBI, right? Those are the guys who those are the guys who gave the green light to the two jihadis down there in Garland, Texas, a couple of years ago. Remember the Muhammad cartoon thing? You know, the same FBI, the same FBI who helped um, um, get rid of the all of the evidence in the biggest, quote unquote, terror attack uh, by our government. 
9-11, they helped get rid of all the evidence real quickly under uh, Robert Mueller, by the way. Some people didn't know that. But yeah, the guy running the interference in the Russian collusion hoax, you know, sideshow soap opera that went on a couple of years ago. Yeah, he was the guy who made sure all of the evidence was shipped off either to China or to other countries. Never inspected, never checked or any of that for all of the eyewitness accounts of the, um, you know, the thermite and all this other stuff that was that was there among the rubble. And uh, yeah, he was the guy who got rid of it. All under the watchful eye of those. So if you want to check that out, please do so. That'll be gone at 3 o'clock. I don't know if Bradley will be live. I don't know if he'll have an educational video or whatever, but it'll be in that little area on the left side of the page. On the right side of the page is where we're at. Click on the play button, blow it up on whatever device you've got, and then look in the lower right-hand corner for the rumble icon. And there you can click on that, and you'll be able to go directly into the chat on rumble. And we have a lot of friends over there this morning. Good to see you guys. Thank you for joining us. And then also we are streaming live to Rumble at Sons of Liberty Radio Live. We're also on BeforeIt'sNews.com, top of the page there. And uh, we appreciate those guys giving us a spot there. Finally, when you're, well, not finally, but uh, while you're on SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, right up on where we're streaming live, there's a place where you can sign up for our email newsletter. Uh, that goes out once a day between 7 and 8 p.m. Eastern. And uh, if you get that in, you know, this morning or whatever, you should get the first one tonight. If you don't, please hit the contact button at the top of the page and then let us know you're not getting it. We'll check on that for you as to why that is. Also, if you want our ministry email, go to sonsoflibertyradio.com. You can sign up on the front page. That goes out once a week on Saturdays. And uh, that tells you what the Sons of Liberty are doing during that week or what's coming up. Okay. And then finally, at sonsoflibertymedia.com, there's a donate button at the top of the page. If you'd like to keep us out there on the radio, internet, and among the people, um, we do accept donations to do that, and there's a donate button. Click on that, make a one-time donation, or you can partner with us monthly as a son or daughter of liberty. And we do appreciate all our supporters, even if you don't give any money. There are people who pray for us, we we know, and there are people who come in and listen. And uh, you know, our desire is that we would be uh, an outlet that is is truth for you, that you can see the truth. Um, whether it's what's going on in the physical, or whether it's the spiritual teachings that we have that go along with that. Um, you know, we, we, we thank you for your trust for, for tuning in. All right. So if you didn't catch the show yesterday with uh, Dr. Lee Merritt, it is archived at sonsoflibertymedia.com. You can catch that. Uh, I think it was very informative because, you know, a lot of us aren't chemistry. I mean, if I got to tell you the truth, I was terrible at chemistry in high school. Terrible. I just hated it. I hated it. And I think my chemistry teacher was probably a drunk and I'm not. Sure, she was cool and everything, but I just think she was a she just acted like she was a drunk all the time. So anyway, I don't know. Maybe that had something to do with it because the other chemist, uh, who was a guy who rode a motorcycle, went to school with his daughter, and uh, he was very cool. And all the students tended to like him teaching chemistry. Maybe that was it. I don't know. I never got chemistry very well. Uh, but uh, Dr. Merrick came on yesterday and gave us, a, you know, sort of an overview of what the chemicals were in this. Um, uh, this spill uh, with this train derailment up in Ohio and in explaining basically what would happen. And she didn't say that nobody wouldn't be immediately affected. What she says is there's no long-term results for this. And she believed it was like uh, the riots that we saw a couple of years ago, that it devalues the property. The guys come in and swoop it up for pennies on the dollar. And then they, they get a land grab out of it. And the people are just pushed more and more into fear. Uh, again, not to say that there isn't any kind of, 
you know, immediate damage from that or whatever. But if you missed that, I would highly recommend take a look at that. That's from yesterday. We'll have it in the links in the archive, but you can see it at sonslibertymedia.com. Uh, Dr. Lee Merritt, we're not being told the truth about the Ohio train derailment. Uh, so be sure and check that out. Also, uh, something that you've been hearing, this is before we get to our main topic. I'm going to give you a couple more topics here that you can read about at sonslibertymedia.com. You guys have been hearing from Kate for literally probably two years on the subject, but more recently in exposing what has come out as far as the killings that are taking place in the hospitals that really don't have anything to do with COVID. Now, they may be masking it behind COVID deaths and this, that, and the other, but this comes from uh, Dr. William Mackus. Uh, we, again, have had Dr. Mackus on the, the show. He's the Canadian doctor. He's retired. He's not, uh, I don't think he's, he's actually practicing anymore. But the Dr. Mackus has been calling out the number of doctors who were dying after they took the shots. And uh, I think he was up to over 132. The uh, Last week we had a show where we, we brought up where he was talking about the top, um, <clears throat> I believe it was the cardiologist there in Vancouver had died. He had had the shot as well. And so that took it way over 132 that he had been counting. Well, he's pointing out the midazolam murders. How many of the elderly were killed with euthanasia drugs but labeled as COVID deaths? And you got to check this out. And he references um, two interviews, one with Stuart Wilkie, by the way, who is the one who's been giving Kate all the information on this stuff that she's been going through. And uh, we're still looking for Stuart to come on the show, by the way. <laughs> then Dr. Michael Yeadon, the former uh, CEO there at Pfizer, he used these to demonstrate exactly what they were doing it's the same stuff that kate's been talking about for a long time now yeah you know that the media wants to drag her name through the mud and say she's a conspiracy theorist and this that and the other well now you've got i mean you've got uh the former head of pfizer saying it you've got Stuart wilkie former olympian now he's a medical researcher uh saying it now you got dr Macus saying it i you know yeah, you should check that out, sonsoflibertymedia.com. And then this one here before we get to our topics. You guys remember, Lynn and I have done a couple of shows on this one faith stuff. Uh, one, what was it? One word and then one, uh, it's just a bunch of goofiness is what it is, okay? About these buildings being built there. I think it was in Dubai, I'm not sure. Uh, but there are three buildings built there. They're basically a square, but each has their own architectural differences. One's for the quote-unquote Christians, and I use that term very lightly there. Uh, one's for the Jews, and I use that term very lightly there, too. And the other one is for the Islamists. Okay? And uh, here's, we've got a story out. Cardinal Michael Fitzgerald, the Roman Catholic Church's uh, apostolic nuncio emeritus to Egypt and uh, apostolic delegate emeritus to the Arab League, as well as a past president of the Pontifical Council for Irreligious, or that is, interreligious dialogue, on Sunday represented Pope Francis at the first prayer service in St. Francis of Assisi Church in Abu Dhabi, which is part of the new Abrahamic family house and interfaith shrine that comprises not just a church, but also a synagogue and a mosque. Hmm. What could possibly go wrong? Yeah, what could possibly go wrong? Well, I'll tell you what would go wrong is men get together and they call out to their different gods. And God laughs at that. 
not with a, oh, ha ha, that was funny, but with a judgmental laugh. What are you people doing? Again, I've said it on the show. I'll say it again. There's no God-given right to worship false gods. There's not, there's not one. Do you have a conscience? Yes. Are, are we to be the thought police? No. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're mighty through God to the tearing down of strongholds. And the strongholds we're talking about are not you know, fences that are put up or gates that are put up, but it's what's imprisoning people's minds the lies that imprison their minds. And so the truth comes, and it comes to set the captives free. This is why the Lord Jesus, when he came, what did he do? He spoke the truth to the people. He spoke it also to his enemies, the Pharisees of the day. And that truth was there to set the people free. However, that same truth did nothing but harden his enemies, the Pharisees. It did, they, did, they weren't repentant. He just kept pushing. In fact, if you go and you read from Matthew 20 on, that's where you'll start to find out where Jesus, once he got to a certain place with the Pharisees, it was just like, yeah, I'm not even calling you to repentance. I'm just going to keep pronouncing judgment on you by giving you the truth. He doesn't let up. He has every opportunity to back up, but he doesn't do that. He keeps putting it out. And so here we got this Catholic cardinal, no, no surprise here, leading Muslims and professed Christians and professed Jews as though they're all from Abraham, that they all have the Abrahamic faith. Now, if you're not, if you don't know why I'm saying that sort of tongue-in-cheek, sort of sarcastically, go and read the book of Galatians. Take your time and read the book of Galatians. You're going to find out who a real Jew is. You're going to find out what the real Abrahamic faith is. You're going to find out that those who once were called Gentiles have now been called children of Abraham. Why? Because they have the faith of Abraham. And those who call themselves children of Abraham then call themselves Jews, but are not. Read Revelation chapter 2 and 3. But they're of the synagogue of Satan. It will point you as to why you're not in an Abrahamic faith. Abraham did not look to his own righteousness, to his own good works to save him. The Bible says that he believed God about his promise concerning his seed. He believed God. It was accounted unto him for righteousness. Paul makes that argument in the book of Romans. Later, Abraham would demonstrate that faith and would justify himself to the world if you will, and obeying God and taking and being willing to sacrifice his only son Isaac, as Hebrews tells us, believing that God could raise him from the dead because God had made a promise through Isaac, to Abraham through Isaac. And he could believe him for that. And we all know the story. God didn't allow him to kill his son, but instead provided a lamb. A great picture of what we deserve as sons of Adam we deserve to die, and yet God had provided a lamb, a sacrifice that would appease his wrath, and that was in his own son, the Lord Jesus. So here these guys are coming together, thinking they're going to do something new. It's really old. This was part of the, the reason God warned uh, his men of, of the Old Testament Israel about interacting and intermarrying 
with women who were foreigners. Why? They would lead their hearts away to other idols, to other gods, rather than him. They would become spiritual adulteresses, which he did call them that. Now, with that said, I'm going to go ahead and take this a little backwards from our title. Our title is Testimony Indicates Arizona Controlled by Cartels as Migrant Children Become Slaves. The reason I'm going to do that is because <clears throat> I'm going to take the majority of this show and I'm going to play this lady's testimony here. Uh, before the Senate Elections and House Municipal Oversight and Elections Joint Committee. So if you've seen this, please forgive me, but we're going to take just a little bit of time just to let her say what she's going to say in a minute. So let me let me take this, Migrant Children Become Slaves. This was from uh, Daniel Greenfield. You can read this at sonsoflibertymedia.com. But he is referencing uh, at least one piece out of the New York Times. And I want you to hear a couple of things he has to say, and then I want to play this testimony. And the testimony is rather lengthy, so it will take up the majority of the show. But I think if you have not seen this, you need to see it and you need to hear it. Because I can only imagine how much this video is being censored on social media and elsewhere. But uh, this is from Daniel, Daniel Greenfield. He said the pro-illegal alien left, or the lawless, let's just call them the lawless, now gets to own 12-year-olds being torn apart by the machinery. Every time that you think the left is as hopelessly clueless about the concept, I hate, I mean, I just that just drives me up the wall that people can't see this for what it is. Why don't you call them the lawless? That's what they are. They don't want to adhere to the law, just as much as the right doesn't want to adhere to the law. Anyway. Clueless about the consequence of his policies and his megalomania, maniacal, ac, ah. it's um, yeah, psychopathic, <laughs> ruthless about lying and abusing power to implement them. Something like this happens. This has come from the New York Times. Alone and exploited migrant children work brutal jobs across the U.S. Arriving in record numbers, they're ending up in dangerous jobs that violate child labor laws. Nobody's doing anything about it, are they? Nobody's doing anything about it. Uh, arriving in record numbers, they're ending up in dangerous jobs that violate child labor laws, including in factories that make products for well-known brands like Cheetos and Fruit of the Loom. Hmm. Well, it goes on. And uh, Daniel writes, For a paper that claims to have a global scope and understand history, the old gray lady seems to know nothing of either. And here we're back to uh, to the Newark Times. It was almost midnight in Grand Rapids, Michigan, but inside the factory, everything was bright. A conveyor belt carried bags of Cheetos, or Cheerios, excuse me, past a cluster of young workers. One was 15 years old, Carolina Yock, who came to the United States on her own last year to live with a relative she had never met. About every 10 seconds, she stuffed a sealed plastic bag of cereal into a passing yellow carton. It could be dangerous work. With fast-moving pulleys and gears that had torn off fingers and ripped open a woman's scalp. The factory was full of underage workers like Carolina, who had crossed the southern border by themselves and were now spending late hours bent over hazardous machinery in violation of child labor laws. I kind of wonder if they had things better before they crossed over the border. Also this. Daniel's comment is, has the New York Times rethought the wisdom of funneling across underage migrants who, in the best case scenario, are going to like Caroline? Nah, it's just one to enforce labor laws. 
That's like dumping tons of heroin into Michigan and then urging tougher drug laws. If the left hadn't created a massive supply of illegal underage labor, this wouldn't be happening. Yeah, our, our whole thing about labor laws are just ridiculous. I'll, I'll make a comment about that in just a minute. 12-year-old roofers in Florida and Tennessee, underage slaughterhouse workers in Delaware, Mississippi, and North Carolina, children sawing planks of wood on overnight shifts in South Dakota. Now, I, I want to say something here. Back in the day, children used to do all, all this kind of stuff except the factory kind of work. They used to saw planks. They used to help dad cut down the trees. They used to help dad build the, the outhouses and the houses and all of this kind of stuff. Nothing wrong with children working. That's a good thing. And I, I'm going to tell you, the sooner they learn to work, the better. Whether it's making stuff themselves, whether it is you know working for mama and papa, grandpa and grandpa for some of you out there, um, whether it is uh, helping around the house and doing chores, children need to learn to work. They do. It's a good thing for them. They need to contribute to the family. The family contributes so much to them. It feeds them. It clothes them. It houses them. They need to contribute something back to the family. And in doing so, they learn a good skill, and they learn what the Bible says about whatever you put your hands to do, do it with all your might. Ecclesiastes teaches us that. That when we do our work, we do it as unto the Lord. So children need to learn these things. Okay? And I see a lot of this, what it does is it comes in to stifle the natural order that God has set up that parents pass on to their children a good work ethic. By the way, those who didn't know, that work ethic and having government that was governed by the law of God and bearing forth the fruits of being a believer in Jesus Christ was the American dream. That's what it was called. It wasn't two, It wasn't a house and two cars or two houses and a car, whatever the, whatever the American dream has become now. It wasn't that at all. It was to do all things for the glory of God, to have the liberty to do it without the oppression of the state or some kind of religious figurehead or any of that kind of stuff, but to simply obey God and to see the fruit of that obedience come in the blessings that he promised, just like he did in Old Testament Israel. He promised them blessings as well. All right, so that's the part here about what's going on um, as some of these migrant children come over. And I'm sure some of them are trafficked. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind that there are many who are trafficked here as well. So this testimony you're going to hear, and I'm going to play this for the, the remainder of the show. Okay, it's, it's a little bit lengthy. We may end up going over just so I can play it, but I if you have not heard this, and some of you have, so forgive me if you've, if you've heard this. It's okay if you tune out or if you want to hear it again. It's fine. But this is a young lady, <clears throat> and she came in to present her findings. Um, her name is Jacqueline Breger. You'll hear her introduction here in just a second. She claims she's a longtime Arizona resident, a forensic investigator with the Harris-Thaler Law Corporation. Uh, investigating multi-state racketeering and corruption. Hmm. Or see if people actually pay attention to what Miss Breger has to say and if there's going to be some action about it. This might be something we want to ask Bradley about since they have went down to um, Arizona. I think they were meeting with uh, Sheriff Mark Lamb down there and uh, probably seeing some stuff along the borders, what's going on. Maybe they're catching some of this. I don't know. 
uh, maybe we can ask them. But this is uh, the introduction here to Ms. Brigger and then her testimony, which is quite lengthy. So we're going to go the rest of the show with this. So be patient. Take a listen. See what see what conclusions you draw from what this lady has. And she says she's got the receipt. She's got the documentation of everything here. So I guess the question is, is this um, a joint committee, are they going to take it serious and are they going to do something or are they going to sweep it under the rug, kind of like Arizona's been doing with their elections the whole time. But this involves even the current uh, sworn-in governor, Katie Hobbs, uh, and some of her criminal activities as well. Here we go. Okay. Yes, ma'am. The last pertinent person um, speaking for the day, and then we do have a video at the end, which is part of my presentation, that we will play at the end. Um, the next person is Jackie Breger. I hope I said that right. And the title of her report is Preliminary Findings of Activities Impacting Arizona's Election Integrity with Specific Focus, focus on the 2020 and 2022 general elections. Okay, so the lady's well, coming to the mic good now. Good afternoon, Madam Chair. Good afternoon to everyone. Um, my name is Jacqueline Greger. And, and so speak real close to the mic. Sorry, I apologize. Okay, <laughs> so the folks in Sholo can hear you. Press I don't it. know if they want to. Or Prescott. Um, just to tell you a little bit about myself. I do have a master's degree in marketing, honors degrees in financial accounting, business statistics, um, economics, and business strategy. So um, I've been a resident of Scottsdale, Arizona, since 1997. And I own the Feinberger Insurance Agency, which is a farmer's insurance agency in the Valley. Since nine, 2019, I've been a principal investigator with the Harris Thaler Law Firm. Um, we have been investigating multiple multi-state racketeering and corruption. John Harris Thaler is our senior attorney, and he is in charge of this investigation. Mr. Thaler has been practicing law for 32 years. His firm specializes in investigating racketeering and corruption for both the public and the private sector, and he has participated in some of the largest investigations both in the US and abroad. But with respect to the current matter at, at hand, in 2006, the US Attorney's Office in Illinois, Idaho, and Indiana investigated the laundering of drug cartel monies through a complex series of single family home purchases in those particular states. By 2009, Numerous real estate agents, escrow companies, and title insurers, insurers had been indicted, charged, and convicted of racketeering. And in 2014, our office was asked to review the case file. The reason for this was whether we, should, was, was we were asked to determine whether monies from the sale of the properties had filtered to properties purchased in Arizona, specifically in Maricopa and Pima County. We concluded that several real estate agents convicted in Iowa had set up laundering systems in Arizona and thereafter had transferred the proceeds of sales to the Panamanian corporations. In 2018, Mr. Thaler discovered, incidental to a completely independent matter, a series of trustees evidencing that cash laundered through single family residences in Arizona was pervasive and ongoing. 
With that, a new investigation began, with the focus being on money laundered and related racketeering activities in Maricopa County, and as, as well as in several other Arizona counties. We are currently represent several parties directly damaged by these racketeering activities. The investigation originally focused on fake notarizations, fake deeds of trust, fraudulent buyers and or sellers of the real property transactions, as well as other companies used in real estate transactions, such as real estate brokers, mortgage companies, title and escrow companies, real estate inspection companies, service companies, and so on. Over 120,000 documents have been reviewed to date. <clears throat> These documents have definitely evidenced multiple racketeering enterprises, which include narcotic sales, money laundering, tax evasion, payroll theft, bankruptcy fraud, life insurance fraud, auto insurance fraud, bribing of elected and appointed officials, creating and modifying public record, falsifying professional licenses and related credentials, swatting individuals who pose a threat to these enterprises, and last but not least, election fraud. I walked in and heard briefly that you spoke about a compromised computer system. Well, that is something we will be addressing, I will be addressing in quite some detail. I'm going to share with you that which we've uncovered, how we uncovered it, and the conclusions drawn therefrom. I'll also share with you how the racketeering enterprises inextricably are intertwined with election fraud. It is important to note okay, that our office has been limited in resources and in terms of authority, okay, such as subpoena power. As a result, the conclusions that I'm bringing here to you um, that we've reached to date are just the tip of the iceberg. As a result, okay, our office stands ready to work with any of the relevant enforcement agencies. Our, primar our primary findings were first reported to Governor Ducey in 2022. Furthermore, Thaler has met with attorney generals in five states, the FBI, the IRS, the US bankruptcy trustee, and with several US attorney's uh, offices. Currently, there are active and ongoing investigations in federal and state jurisdictions, and both California and New Mexico have already used our report and, <coughs> sorry, and taken some corrective action. The final report will, be inclu will include the election fraud and will be complete completed and published as a book entitled Report to the Governor. This is going to be a book of 300 pages with approximately 3,000 attachments. Excerpts from this book and other, uh, other necessary documentation will be available on reporttothegovernor.com after this presentation. Our report contains 47 separate filings. I have provided you with a packet, and I do apologize that I failed to, my, my assistant failed to number the pages, but in pages 11 to 14, show you those, detail those 47 findings that we have in our report. I am going to just mention a few of those that are very pertinent to this committee. As I mentioned, beginning in Illinois, Idaho, and Iowa, in the early 80s, 
cash earned or otherwise collected in the sale of illegal narcotics and human tra trafficking activities conducted by the Sinaloan cartel had been laundered through the purchase of single-family residences. Laundering of this cartel money in Arizona through purchase and sale of the single-family residence began in and about 1994 and focused on new construction, particularly in Santan Valley, Litchfield Park, Bordeaux, and Avondale. Cartel monies mostly came from illicit narcotic sales, which include crystal meth, <clears throat> meth, cocaine, heroin, and fentanyl, as well as human trafficking. In addition to purchase and sales of single-family residents, cash is laundered through inflated and falsified construction invoices, falsified charitable donations, tuitions paid on fake students allegedly, attempting private, allegedly attending private trade schools, and falsified bankruptcies. Wells Fargo bank bankers in Arizona and in multiple additional states have engaged in opening, checking, and direct deposit accounts for, 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 for um, phantom people. Resources, including city government officials and agencies in Mesa, Arizona has also been integral in the laundering activities. Since 2010, money laundering has exceeded $7.5 billion. In Arizona, laundered cash is used in part to bribe elected and appointed public officials and their support staff. The principal preparers of the documents necessary to effect the racketeering enterprise are Donna Ray Chavez, a resident of Mesa, and her daughter, Brittany Ray Chavez. To date, more than 10,000 falsified documents have been recorded with the Maricopa County Recorder's Office. We estimate that more than 35,000 warranty deeds and trust deeds evidencing fraudulent transactions exist in the database. The number of falsified notarizations exceeds over 15,000. Donna and Brittany participate in racketeering activities, which also include facilitating bribes to the public officials. I'm just going to pause it here just a second to make sure everybody's catching what she's saying. It She's talking about racketeering. She's talking about bribes. She's talking about cartels being involved and elected representatives of the people being involved in these crimes against the people. <clears throat> 15,000 of these fraudulent things. Going I mean, she's listing. I, I want to make sure everybody's getting what this lady is saying. She's an investigator with a law firm. She's saying this is what's gone on, and the people just sit here quietly. Like, what? I, it, I just want to make sure that people are getting what this lady's saying about what's going on in the state of Arizona. If it's going on in Arizona, you know it's going on in other states, especially border states, New Mexico, Texas, and the like. Uh, anyway, here's back to this lady. Tax evasion, payroll theft, bankruptcy fraud, insurance fraud, and extortion. The city of Mesa is a racketeering organization, as that term is defined in 18 U.S.C. section 1961. To protect the enterprise, civil rights are systematically and, and systematically and systemically violated to preserve racketeering activities. Fines and outrageous cash bonds are used to collect monies which are then skimmed and redirected into the racketeering enterprises. The City of Mesa Police Department 
operates within it a private police department that is used to support and protect racketeering enterprises. Officers participating in this force are compensated with monies paid through the phony mortgage schemes and other related schemes. Officers operating within this private force systemically violate our Fourth Amendment rights by breaking and entering into private properties, wiretapping, computer hacking, cell phone hacking, and by using relative related surveillance techniques without warrant. Officers also plant evidence and hide exculpatory evidence. Multiple state agency databases have been infiltrated or hacked, thus allowing falsified documents to be uploaded into, into them and allowing legitimate documents to be removed. For example, the database for the University of Arizona and Arizona State and Northern Arizona have been infiltrated and hacked. It permits individuals to be given degrees who never attended or graduated from these schools and allows phantom individuals to be awarded degrees, thus lending legitimacy to their existence. Further, state licensing databases have been infiltrated and hacked to permit individuals with fake degrees to permit phantom individuals to have state licenses issued. And these licenses, like accounting or real estate, mental health care, even law licenses, um, we have seen phantom attorneys registered with the state bar. The Maricopa County database for the recorder's office and for the Superior Court were designed in 2014. They were set up for outside infiltration so that falsified documents could be uploaded or <clears throat> legitimate documents removed. Since 2015, hundreds upon hundreds of falsified court documents have been loaded into the database. These documents include falsified default judgments, criminal restitution orders, child support orders, all of these used in swatting activities against individuals posing a threat to the racketeering activities. Since 2004, elections within Pima County and Maricopa County have been manipulated through the infiltration of the county databases, resulting from bribes paid to executives at election service providers, including, but not limited to, principles that run back election services. In addition to impacting local elections, bribes and infiltration were used to affect the outcome of the races during the November 3rd, 2020 election, including the outcome of the race for Maricopa County Recorder and the outcome of the November 8th, 2022 election, race for Governor, Secretary of State and Attorney General. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. <clears throat> that can't be. <clears throat> the Mockingbird Media tells us there's no evidence of any kind of election fraud. This cannot be. This this lady, she just doesn't know what she's talking about. She's not checked in with uh, the Mockingbird Media and the fact checkers. She's saying the exact opposite they're saying. This is an actual investigator. It's not um, a propaganda mouthpiece. This is an actual investigator presenting her findings before this joint committee here in Arizona. And yet, Listen to what she's saying. All of this, by the way, ties back into things that we've done shows on before. When they say they create a bond, every time you go to court, there is money on the line. Every time. Whether you go for a tra traffic violation, you're, you're, they're foreclosing on your house, um, you, you've got some kind of crime to spend. Money is on the line. 
A bond is created. And it's created based off of you. Not the federal government. It's based on you. And wicked men are making money off of you every time it's going. This is what she's talking about here in her testimony. Public officials who have received bribes include multi-state office holders, state house and state senate, local office holders, county supervisors, judges in the Maricopa Supreme Court, judges of some city courts, including two presiding judges, judges assistants, prosecutors within certain cities within Maricopa County. There is no justice in Arizona. None. Peripheral legal specialists, including attorneys, approved mental health care providers, as in court-appointed advisors and related specialists. In the Superior Court of Maricopa County and Pinal County and Pima County, at least 25% of the active judges have accepted bribes in exchange for protecting the racketeering activities. Bribe payments generally begin before the individual is even appointed to the bench. Bribes are usually paid as an incentive for the attorney to leave their private practice. By way of example, Mesa City Prosecutor, off, City Prosecutor's Office routinely files charges and convicts innocent individuals who knowingly or unwittingly pose a threat to the racketeering enterprise. With respect to judges in the Mesa City Court, Judge Tetz, Judge Alicia Lola, preside over these in, invented cases filed by the City Prosecutor falsely convicting and sentencing the defendant. In the Maricopa County Superior Court Family Division, child custody evaluators, commonly known as court-appointed advisors, routinely accept bribes in exchange for favorable reports. Bribes are often facilitated by attorneys representing one party. But let me explain. As I stated earlier, in 2018, Mr. Thaler found trustees recorded with the Maricopa County Recorder Office, evidencing money laundering and tax evasion. These documents, as I mentioned, were prepared by both Brittany and Donna Chavez. Both of them are connected to the real estate agents suspected of setting up the home purchasing laundering systems in Arizona. <clears throat> the, um, their principal employer was and is the Sinaloan cartel. Today, we know that their participation in the creation of documents necessary for the criminal enterprise runs more than 25 years and includes facilitating bribes to public officials. Our initial discovery included more than 100 fake trust deeds and warranty deeds in Maricopa County, where either Brittany or Donna executed the document as either buyer or seller or as the notary under an assumed name. At least half these documents purported to be executed by married individuals. The discovery of the falsified deeds led to the discovery of additional racketeering enterprises, including, but not limited to, as I've mentioned, insurance fraud, payroll fraud, and bankruptcy fraud. It also led to the discovery of the extortion schemes I've already mentioned. Maricopa County Recorder's Office has at least five appointments made by Adrian Vantes, our county recorder, from 2017 to 2021, who are phantoms, non-existent individuals. These phantom individuals hold positions related to election services. Further, during the same period, the office has at least 15 individuals okay. whose appointments were false. I just want to make sure everybody got what she just said. They have fictitious entities 
holding positions. I mean, when I say fictitious entities, I mean, they aren't ghosts. They're just non-existent. They're made up names. They aren't even persons who are holding positions that deal with elections. Did you get that? This is, we're not talking about dead people voting here. We're talking about people who never existed in control of elections. I mean, did you get that? Away? I mean, this lady is, <clears throat> seriously, she's dropping bombshell after bombshell after bombshell. And I'm, I'm sure she's not saying this without the documentation, because I know some people have asked for that. I'm sure the documentation is forthcoming. You're not going to represent this law firm. Go out there and say what she's saying and not back it up. I wouldn't think you're not going to be much of a law firm hanging around if, if that's what you're doing. Just want to make sure that you guys kind of caught that as to what she was saying here. Also, and thereafter kept hidden from the public during the 2020 election cycle. The appointment documents for all of the above individuals have forged signatures, falsified clerical signatures, which means that the tracings from, the, from a signature stamp and fake dates. These falsified notarizations were made by Brittany. Said falsified clerical signature and date were made by Donna Chavez. I'll be sharing examples of this in a few minutes. In addition to election fraud, manipulation of the city and county databases include falsified default judgments, restitution orders, child custody orders, and so on, as I've explained. Brittany and Donna have also been able to forge signatures of judges. Well, that summarizes the findings, at least those that pertain to you guys, of, our, of the book. But as I stated, the parameters of our investigation did not originally include election fraud. It's important to note that we do not have, uh, we, we do not represent any political candidate, or political party, or political action committee, or any similar organization or individual. Mr. Thaler himself did not vote in 2022. He's not donated to any party. In November 2019, Brittany approached Mr. Thaler and his colleague, attorney John J. Stanley, with a request that they obtain for her WITSEC protection. However, prior to obtaining approval, Brittany was threatened in such a manner that she broke off direct communications with our office. She has continued to surreptitiously provide evidence concerning these criminal activities. In October 2020, shortly before the November 3rd election, Thaler was provided certain information. First was evidence that the Maricopa County computer database had been designed with various backdoor allowing us outsiders to infiltrate it and to change <clears throat> the data. All of them are done Second, that way. All of them. The identities of bribed recipients, which included elected officials. And third, on October 26, 2020, Thaler's team discovered approximately 25,000 falsified ballots being held in a, and with a significant sum of cash in a private residence in Mesa, rented to, Don, to Donna Chabot's. I do have a declaration in your packet that you've been provided detailing that. The investigation into election fraud is not limited to the state of Arizona. However, where Arizona is concerned, a plethora of individuals are implicated in the fraud, including elected and appointed officials, and as I've already mentioned, run back election services, the service provider to Maricopa County. 
The Maricopa County database has absolutely no integrity whatsoever. Let me explain. I chose to, to, invest, to share with you my investigation of Katie Hobbs by way of example. But for purposes of this exercise, I could have pretty much selected any of those individuals that are listed on your page, in your packets on page 70. I apologize that you don't have a page, but you'll- It's about to get real here. <laughs> when our investigation leads to a name of a particular individual that we suspect to be involved in this racketeering activity, in the, these racketeering activities, we, re we research their deeds of trust, which are recorded with the Maricopa County Recorder's Office. Pay attention to this one. Available. Pay attention to this if one. There is an deeds of trust. Amount of deeds of trust for that individual, and if there are deeds of trust for the same or similar named individual, or with multiple varying middle initials. We dig further. In the case of Caitlin Hobbs, please look at page 17 through 15 in your packet. I have shared with you 11 deeds of trust in the name of Kathleen M. Hobbs and Patrick T. Goodman. However, when we looked at the deeds in your packet on page 51 to 64, these have similar names, but we've discovered that they too were compromised. In some cases, we review deeds of trust filed under a spouse or a child or parent or business partner, just depending on the specific circumstances. When the writings match that of Brittany and Donna, we can determine that the no and when, when we can determine that the notarization is fraudulent and or the buyer and or the seller signatures are fake, we know the deed is fraudulent. If you look at the deeds for Kathleen M. Hobbs and Patrick D. Goodman, I have provided you with the first signed pages of the deeds. And on page 65 is a comparison of just the signatures, okay, the pages with some red writing on them, for the buyers of each deed. This page will speak for itself. There's obviously some inconsistencies with the signatures for Kathleen and for Patrick. This is apparent to anyone with a na any naked eye. But we have verified all our findings with a qualified forensic document expert who represents the state of California. Now, let's look at the notaries who signed these deeds. Again, I provided you with a page of all the notary signatures on page 66. Next to this, I provided you with references to pages from our reports that we have from our qualified forensic document expert, where similar writings have been verified as either being that of Brittany or Donna. The only other option is in some situations, there are graphics or traces of other signatures where we can verify that an imposter has attempted to copy an original signature. Linda Mitchell's reports are lengthy. We have, in over, we have over 500 pages in reports. So unfortunately, unless I was going to walk in here with stacks like this for each of you, I could not bring those and give you each a copy, but they will be available to you if anyone wants to email me a request. On page 67, I've demonstrated some other writings on the deeds, which have also matched with pages from our forensic reports. What I provided you on page 68 to 69 is where we delve even further. When you look at the deeds, you will notice 
that there is a title company and a mortgage company. As is pretty evident, the writings on the document filed with the Corporation Commission for these entities is also that of Brittany Ordana. To summarize our findings with regards to Governor Katie Hobbs, taking into account just those documents in her name are as follows. There are nine deeds of trust in the name of Kathleen M. Hobbs and Patrick T. Goodman, husband and wife, from 1997 to 2021, which essentially means that they either purchased or refinanced a home every two to three years, which is not most not statistically, statistically not likely, not improbable, but even more so when six of the nine deeds of trust were recorded within the 10-year period between 97 and 2007, the concentration of which is between 2001 and 2005, which was during Ms. Hobbs' tenure at Emerge Arizona. When researching the documents filed with the Corporation Commission for Emerge Arizona, we found that these documents evidence hand signing and hand printing that belongs to Brittany and Ordana. <coughs> if one were to guess, and this is just a guess on our part, Emerge Arizona seems to have been formed as a medium to attract women interested in politics and bribe them through the proper scheme to adopt positions of power and to further the goals and objectives of the cartel. Most of these deeds have been fraudulently notarized, meaning that one or multiple parties' names in the transaction are either not present or do not exist at all. In some, if not all cases, it's evident by page 65 in your packet, Ms. Hobbs and Mr. Goodman's signatures are clearly inconsistent, indicating that the majority of the, the deeds were created by a different individual who are attempting to copy Hobbs and Goodman's signatures, particularly on the deeds where the notarizations have been found to be fake. We then researched the title companies and the mortgage companies on these deeds of trust. Some of these do not or have never existed. Some do not even exist in Arizona. Ms. Berger, uh, can I ask you to please uh, submit one of these packets to the pages so we can get this put in the record? And then we, we are going to have to uh, tighten this up and keep it germane to elections so we don't exceed the scope of our authority. Sure. <clears throat> Would you like me to finish with my conclusions with that? By the way, we're we're going to set up here. Uh, we're down to the wire here. Oops, I've got the wrong camera thing. You guys listening by way of Red State Talk Radio, you can join us on sonsoflibertymedia.com for the finish of this or before it's news.com. Uh, we'll take both. Bradley, be with you at 3. We'll be back with you in the morning, Lord willing, at 6 a.m. Uh, hang on because we're going to finish up the rest of her testimony. And then, uh, Carol Ann, I'm going to send you a phone number. Carol Ann's going to call in. She's in real estate. She said this is a nightmare for her. She wants to comment on some of this, so we're going to let her do that. SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. We'll catch you in the morning, 6 a.m., Lord willing. See you. All right, I want to welcome everybody coming over from Red State Talk Radio. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to turn. I'm going to go ahead and kick this back on and uh, finish out the rest of this lady's testimony. And then we're going to get Carol Ann on the phone and see, why is this a, Why is this such a nightmare? I mean, Carol Ann's in North Carolina. She's not in a border state. Why is this such a big deal? Here's the rest of the, this testimony here. Um, okay. uh, let, let, me finish, let me minutes. finish on this example, okay. and then I will go, go on to more of the election fraud. Okay, so when I said we researched the title companies and the mortgage companies, some do not even exist. 
What can we conclude by these discoveries? Purpose of having a fake deed of trust is to move cash without it being traceable. A phony mortgage company provides a phony mortgage as the one primary method by which cash is moved invisibly. There are basically only three reasons to create a fake deed of trust. If the buyer does not exist, then the mortgage serves as a means of laundering the money. If the buyer does exist, then the mortgage is used to, to provide the owner of the deed money um, <clears throat> sorry, um, that is untraceable. And when the person resides in the location of the deed, then that's even more, more further proof that money is being provided that is untraceable. I can take you through example after example, but in the interest of time, um, since at least 2004, ballot counts have been tampered with. Our county's current computer database, which was built between 2014 and 15, has been and continues to be infiltrated and hacked. Its architects specifically designed the system with multiple backdoor entry points. These points permit the uploading of falsified documents and the removal of genuine documents from the county system. We have seen Brittany access the, the database and have an eyewitness to, to testify for that. Over the past 15 years, Brittany has used her access to load falsified judgments and so on. Um, beginning in 2017, the access points have been used to change vote to totals and thereon election results. Illegal transfers have been made and provided to Runback and Jeff Ellison. The phony deeds used in the scheme to move money to candidates are created by Brittany. For-profit and non-profit PACs are also created by Brittany and used to move money for candidates. During the 22 election, ballot scanners, printers at 70, at 70 precincts suffered changes to their printer settings, despite being tested the night before the election. The changes in those settings were made through computer infiltration, not manually or by some never-before-seen error. The uncontrollable ballots were placed in box three and allegedly driven to run back. Witness information provided on October 2020, 2020 confirms that more than 100,000 filled in ballots and more than $13 million were identified by some of our investigators in two unmarked rental cars. These vans were loaded with the ballots and cash at a private residence in Mesa and driven to Runbeck's office. The Runbeck company <clears throat> as you know, is operated by Robert Runbeck. We have found deeds for Runbeck <clears throat> and Ellison. So, I was going to drive home the point, but instead I will move on. We have heard, okay, that the, the statistical improbabilities of an improbable, thank you, outcome with respect to the November 2020 election. Let's look at Andre Fontes and Stephen Riker for the Maricopa County Recorder. Riker's win, win was just statistically impossible. To win. Are, are you referring to Stephen Richer? Richer, sorry, <clears throat> my apologies. Um, Fontes is a Democrat and was the incumbent. Percentages for Biden, Biden Cinema, and Kelly ran up, ran up at approximately a 2.5% margin in the county against all their, their, against their opponents. 
Brexit won by approximately 6,000 votes. This means that 50,000 individuals who voted for the Democratic ticket across the board had to choose the Republican candidate for recorder against an incumbent who never suffered a scandal. Never happened. This was a planned loss. Hobbs would receive the Democratic nomination for governor and Fontes would run for Secretary of State to replace Hobbs. <clears throat> the strategy appeared to have been planned. I have shown you that both Hobbs and Fontes have Brit what we call Britney deeds, evidencing a strong likelihood that they are bribed recipients. Now, <clears throat> it may seem obvious, but I do feel that it's necessary to explain nonetheless. Given that Arizona is a border state and that drug smuggling and human trafficking is a billion dollar business, it would appear that having our elected and appointed officials ensure that the cartel enterprise remain open for business would be paramount. The cartel invests substantially to ensure that the right people are in key positions so as to further their objectives. The fix for 2020 and for 2022 started in 2017 with appointment to election positions of individuals being bribed through the mortgage scheme and through monies being laundered by the appointment of phantom individuals. The problems with these documents are many. <clears throat> if you look at your pages 71 and 76, the recorded appointments from Fantes, which were notarized by a Jessica York, first, the handwriting and handprinting of Jessica York have been identified as belonging to Brittany by our forensic, account, uh, forensic document expert. Secondly, the York signatures are the same handwriting, but not the same style. And that change of style exists even when the documents were allegedly signed on the same day. You can see the June 4th documents. The December 9th date and the clerk handwriting matches Donna. The signature of the clerk at the bottom is actually a tracing of a signature stamp. The time between the signature and the notarization and alleged ex execution of the clerk and thereafter the recorded date <coughs> evidence forgery. Normally, it's a two to three turnaround time. These took multiple months and all were allegedly clerk ex executed and recorded after the election certification. I have example after example where things do not add up. In addition to state representatives, there are three of the five Maricopa County supervisors have also recorded documents evidencing the acceptance of bribes. Further, we've investigated PACs relating to state office holders and dark money transactions relating to said PACs. From late 2018 to 22, a significant number of questionable real estate transactions were facilitated by several law firms including partners at per Perkins Coy. Mr. Thaler would be here himself presenting this information, but there have been multiple attempts on his life. Thaler was driving from Arizona to California when suddenly he lost control of his vehicle. Upon investigation, it was discovered that his tire was purposefully slashed by a straight-edge knife about four to six inches. The cut was made at such a location on the outer side of the tire where the tire would not lose air, but instead would degrade to a point causing catastrophic failure, most likely at high speed. Again, declaration is included in your packet. The declaration, uh, the reason I mention this, and the only reason I mention this is because a similar attempt was made on the life of Carrie Lake's daughter. 
during her campaign. How many of you heard this? To date, six attempts have been made on Thaler's life. How many of you heard this? Public officials accepting bribes include members of the legislature, the executive branches of the state government, more than two dozen judges on the Maricopa County Superior Court, at least two judges in the city of Mesa Court, at least one judge in the town of Gilbert, the mayor of Mesa, five members of Mesa City Council, several police Madam officers. Madam Chair, point of order. This is not the appropriate place oh. to, be, to be alleging. Um, Here's one of the criminals right here, Ken Bennett. We, we, we do have a rule in this chamber that we cannot impugn the motives of other members. Oh, we have a rule uh, that we can't impugn. As, as that testimony was. Please. Um, but that is our that is our rule. That is our rule. Okay, so it's not the law, but it's this. a rule. I need you to wrap up in terms of impact okay. to the election. This is the rule. Please, please follow the rules. <clears throat> please follow the rules, lady, please. Stay in line. Uh, even though I invest in covers multiple states, okay, um, Thaler and our team have interviewed over 30 witnesses. In I did notice they didn't, that, the, in the this is our rule guy, didn't bring this up about Katie Hobbs. The team has collected and reviewed more than 120,000 documents, as I've said. Okay. The immense data, data that we have collected will assist enforcement agencies investigating the election fraud. Further, the data we have collected and the connections we have found and the vast details of this entire investigation will lead enforcement agencies to those participating in the frauds and will help you restore election integrity within our beautiful state. Thank you. Thank you. And my first question is, to whom have you given this data other than to us today? As we said, the report was given to, to Governor Doug Ducey in May of 2022, so he has been made aware. Um, as has, um, as I've mentioned in my you know, in my presentation, FBI. Um, oh wait, you told the right people. <laughs> Gosh. Uh, Attorney generals, um, especially in New Mexico and California. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, well, there. Ms. Brigger. Okay. How was this given to Mr. Ducey? Let's just listen to a couple of questions no. here. No, it was not given by me personally. It was given by one of our team members. Next question. Yes, Representative Jones. Yeah, just that's exactly right friddle she's not alleging she's going to get she gave them receipts she gave them the documentation madam chair um we have not yet presented this to the arizona attorney general um because she's crooked too she did share this with the attorney general at the time um how do you know that yeah how do you know that he shared that information with mr thaler directly but I personally have not given it to Arizona Attorney General yet. Madam Chair, Ms. Brigger, was Mr. Thaler the one that gave this to the governor? No, not directly, because Mr. Thaler is not in Arizona. So how would, Mr. Thaler, how would Mr. Thaler know that Governor Ducey shared this with the Attorney General's office? Because the, the team members Mr. told Thaler were in contact. Were you not paying attention, dude? I, okay, I'm going to stop it here. I, I get frustrated with politicians. Were you not paying attention to what the lady just said? You're asking questions that ought to be pretty evident 
as to who was giving the information, who wasn't, who it's about, everything else. Um, by the way, Carol Ann, you can call in now. Uh, people may hear a loud ring because I don't have my, yeah, I don't have this browser thing open here uh, to do it. But if you want to call in, I, I wanted Carol Ann to call in. She is a, um, a longtime friend, a listener to the show. And for Carol Ann, uh, she has some realty expertise, I think, in North Carolina. I'll let her tell you in just a little bit when she calls in. But um, I'll, I'll let her call in and I, because she's saying, well, this is a nightmare for us. So I'm like, well, can you speak to that? I put that in the chat and I want to see if Carolyn will call in. I, I hope she got the number okay. Uh, I did send it to her on Facebook. So I hope you, you got that. And now is the time to call in. <laughs> but I, I, really, I really believe I should have played this lady's testimony because a lot of people have seen it because the testimony has gone viral. But some people don't see it. So forgive me if you've seen it, okay? Forgive me if you've already thought through it and you've already vented and blew up or whatever whatever you do out there. But I wanted to play it so everybody else hears it because I'm telling you, this isn't just going on in Arizona. And I don't think it's just going on in border states either. Again, you go back to Deuteronomy 28, you'll find out that God is going to make the foreigner the head and you that he's brought into the land, the tail. Now, he gave that to Old Testament Israel. There's no question. But God is no different today than he was then. He still, he still works the same way as part of his character, that he is a just and a holy God. And you know what? In the midst of all of this, this should tell you one thing. You cannot touch, or excuse me, you cannot trust... I don't know where Carol Ann is. Did you leave? <laughs> you cannot trust fallen man. If you're a person that, say, I, that says, I have faith in mankind, you are completely opposite in that regard. Now, you may be a Christian, but you need to be corrected here. Trust in man is unbiblical. Jesus did not read John, I think it's chapter 2, the Gospel of John chapter 2. You'll see that Jesus did not give himself to men because he knew what was in men. They were corrupt. They were sinful. This is why he had to come and save sinners. I mean, it's not to say... Oh, here we go. This is Carol Ann. There you go. See, you know what my, my little my little phone call sounds like here. So uh, we'll get Carol Ann in just a second, but this is the point where Jesus, it, it's not an issue of him sitting here. And I don't know why the phone is doing what it's doing. Anyway, um, okay, so I've got to allow the mic access. All right, I'm doing it on a different browser here, but Carol Ann, hang on, we'll, we'll finish this in a second. Jesus was one who would not give himself to men because he knew it was in man. Our faith is not to be in men. Our faith is to be in the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because men's hearts are desperately wicked. They're sick. They're deceitful above all things. Who can know it? Even man doesn't even know his own heart. I mean, if men are honest. Even you, many of you as believers, sometimes, do you really know your heart? But God does perfectly. But do you know your own heart? This is why you cannot trust men. You must trust God. And where ladies like this get up and you say, give me the information. Show me the, show me the money. Right? 
the old phrase, show me the money, show me what you've got, show me that you've back, you're backing up what you're saying. And right there's the testimony. And then I have to ask people like uh, this Bennett guy and some of the other yahoos who might be on this, this panel here, well, when are you guys going to act on it? Are you just going to sit back and go, we need to investigate further? We need to investigate. See, investigating further means that we don't really want to deal with this. This is a hot potato, so we're going to toss it to the next guy to bring somebody in. With that said, this is our friend Carol Ann, and uh, Carol Ann is calling in from North Carolina. And Carol Ann, thank you for calling in. I appreciate that very much. Good morning, Tim. It's my pleasure. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Now, can you give people a little background because you made a comment in in the in the chat on Rumble here that this is a what you're hearing from this lady is a nightmare for you. Can you give people just a quick little background as to who you are and what you do, what state you do it in, and then why is why is what this lady, this burger lady, is saying? Why is it a nightmare for somebody like you in realty? Well, yeah, so um, I am living in North Carolina. I have had a real estate license for the past 10 plus years. So I'm in general brokerage, which means I help people buy and sell, <clears throat> sometimes rent. But um, I've had many transactions over my many years and states vary. Some states are title states, some states, some states are attorney states. And that, what that means is that um, the closing or the settlement takes place either with a title company or with an attorney. In either case, there are checks and balances. So as a realtor, my job is kind of to herd everybody to the closing table and make sure everything's crossed and dotted and all that stuff, right? And then the attorney or the title company does further. They go further into the deed and they go further into, you know, recording the deed and making sure there's no blemishes on the title of the of the property so the fact that the that the, the the checkers that the attorneys and the title companies are all involved in this literal house of cards the checkers aren't checking and even if so there's there's usually typically a commission a real estate commission in each state which is a further checker on the realtors they're not checking they must be involved too so the people that they're complaining, the, per the person, the pe people that this lady is complaining to, they must be on the dole. Yeah, I them. agree. I agree. They are. Yeah. Well, let me, let me ask the you. People that give, these are the people that give the licenses to the attorneys and the title company, right? Well, so, let, me, let me ask you this, Carol Ann. Does this make you want to start investigating what's going on in your state of North Carolina? Oh, Sure. It's just, it, the thing is that it's not just our state. It's all across the country. Yeah, yeah. And what, what we're as realtors learning on a regular basis is that if you're not, as a seller or a buyer, very careful about who you give your information to, then st stuff like this can happen. Yeah. I mean, people can just take your, they can use an LLC name, they can use whatever and falsify it all and just take hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars of your money away. So, now, yeah, Kelly, I, I you... definitely... You've listened. You've listened to some of the shows that we've done regarding, uh, uh, as Brent Winters calls it, the, the law of the city versus the law of the land, or as some others have said, the law of the sea versus the law of the land. Uh, as some of the information, does any of that resonate with you? I know we haven't gotten too deep into that, but does any of that resonate with you as a as somebody who deals in realty? And do you see how they're using that against us? I mean, if you don't, it's fine. I'm just, I'm kind of curious as to you personally, do you see any of that 
how you see it can work together to do these kinds of things against the people themselves? Oh, sure. I mean, it's, and, and you said it just now yourself, you know, the wicked heart of men, we don't know yeah. what we're capable of. We, we really, you know, even some of your random thoughts, but the thing is that when you involve real estate and you have, you live in a country that lets people from other countries buy and sell in this country, that's the thing that concerns me the most. When I first got my, got, first got my license, and they told me that it doesn't matter where you're from in the world, you can buy real estate in the United States. That kind of gave me a little pause, right? Because <laughs> there's plenty of farmers that they get on an age, they might not have the kids that want to farm, or go hundreds of, hundreds of hundreds of acres acres to the Chinese, to whoever, yeah. right? So it's, it's alarming. Um, a lot of deals in real estate can be alarming, but you have to be very, very careful. But the fact that it's gone all the way to the top in Arizona and I'm sure in many other states does make you want to investigate a little more in your own state for sure. You know, I, you know what? I'd love to see if you, and I know you're a busy lady, but if you've got time and you dig up stuff in North Carolina, cause you, you guys have a, uh, you guys still have governor pooper up there, don't you? Ugh, yeah. Awful. Mr. Milk toast. We call yeah. Him. Terrible. Yeah. North, North Camelina is what I call it. It's just <laughs> right. I mean, it's literally with stone's throw from my house here in North Carolina is, I'm kind of like being at Carowinds, you know, we can go to that place where you can stand on North and South Carolina at the same time. Uh, right. But, but, but I, I see what goes on in there. I used to live in North Carolina and I see what goes on in there. It's, it's incredible to me, the stark con- contrast that happens between two jurisdictions that are butted up right against each other. Uh, yeah. And, and yeah. in South Carolina, we have our own problems. Don't get me wrong. It's not paradise here at all. But, uh, but I do see a stark contrast between South and North Carolina. But here's the thing I want to ask you. If you do get into this and you're looking into it, maybe you get some colleagues involved. Keep it under the radar, obviously. Uh, but if yeah. you bring that up and you you guys discover some stuff there in North Carolina, let's bring you on. If you want to come on and uh, you want to bring documentation, let's show that it, this isn't I, – I know it's not happening in just Arizona. Everything in me says this is this is not a one – time event this is not a one-hit wonder here this is happening yeah. in more places than just arizona yeah absolutely i'd be happy to um i'll let you know i'll keep in touch with you and if um once we start digging and find this stuff out i'm sure there's stuff to find out i will ha- happy to come on okay all right thank you caroline we appreciate you as always thank you so much Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Okay, Bye-bye. you too. Bye-bye. All right, there <laughs> goes Carol Ann. And uh, thank you, Carol Ann, for calling in on a short notice and, and giving us just sort of an, what I'd say is an expert opinion from somebody on the inside of Realty. I'm not on in Realty, so I don't know anything uh, about that. I, I really don't. So I'm glad Carol Ann could call in. Thank you for doing that. Guys, I hope this is enlightening. I I, I know the show some people call to hear me talk and stuff. And I get, okay, I get some of that. But it's so important that you hear what is going on around you too. From people who are, they're taking a stand here. I mean, this lady said the guy who would normally come and say what this lady is saying, this Miss Berger here in Arizona, he's had several attempts on his life. They're not, I mean, you don't get a slash in the tire at a certain area that it can blow up on you as you're going high speed. You don't get that from an accident. That's purposeful. That's just one. But you need to understand something. And I want you to hear me on this. 
We're not operating under constitutional law. We're not. I don't care who tells you that. We're not. If we were operating under the Constitution, a lot of this stuff would have already been dealt with. We wouldn't even be here. And you've got to understand, this is not going to end well. It's not. If you think a convention of states will fix this problem, you are deceived. You're deceived. If you think that building up a police force is going to fix this, you are deceived. If you think this is going to be fixed by continuing the federal, the, the centralization of government at the federal level, and I'm going to say, I'm going to even go out on a limb here and say, even at the state level, you're deceived. Let me put it the way John Adams said. He said, our Constitution is for religious and moral people. Why? And he says it's totally incapable of governing any other kind of people. Why? Because religious and moral people, people who have bound themselves to the Word of God, they may have differences of eschatology. They may have differences in seeing whether or not you talk in tongues or there's gifts of healing. You may have all of those differences. And I'm going to tell you what, D. James Kennedy hit it right on the head. He said, the person who comes to me and says, I have no hope but Christ, that person is my brother. That person is my brother. Because I, as best I know myself, I know I'm a wicked sinner in need of a Savior. I can't save myself, and so I need Christ. If I don't have Christ, I have nothing. And so the Constitution was fine for people who knew that. Why? Because they knew how to govern themselves and to submit themselves to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. If they didn't know how to do that, they weren't fit for office, and they weren't fit to live in the community either. And boy, have we strayed from that. Even the conservatives of the day are banishing about false religions, false gods, sodomy, lesbianism, transgender confusion, unlawful weights and measurements, debt, all of these things bring a curse on man. All of them. Usury too. I've done a show, several shows on usury. All of them bring a curse on us. And for those of you who will give me a hearty amen and then run out there and talk about your MAGA stuff uh, as though it is an economy issue, and that's what many people do. Well, we've got more jobs. Well, we've got more money. Well, we've got, I did better under Trump than I did Biden. All you people are operating off a Marxist basis, not a God-centered basis. Theopocentric is the term that we use. You work off an anthropocentric, a man-centered basis of how you view the world. God says all these things are abomination. I quoted the verse yesterday. What's the message to Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists who are, who are, who are in these things and pushing these things? The message to you is the same one as it is to me. Preach it to myself every day. Repent. Turn from your sin, your lawlessness against God. 
I don't care if you love Trump. I don't care if you love Biden. You better love the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. If you don't, if you're not repentant, if you're not turning towards him, guess what, friend? He's going to say to you one day, oh, I know you figured out all the conspiracies. Oh, I know that you, you said all the right things, seemingly. But you practiced lawlessness. Matthew chapter 7. You built your house on sand. You lifted yourself up to think that you're better than those you call the quote-unquote left, the liberals, the Democrats. But you're just as wicked as they are because you wash the outside of the cup, but the inside is full of dead men's bones. There is many who are like that. And I don't say it with any animosity towards you. I see it. I see your justification of evil, your justification for supporting evil. Your justification for staying inside a beast system that is evil, that is apostate. The message to you is the same one as it is for me and anybody else listening. We need to repent. We need to get our minds, have them renewed, as Paul says in Romans chapter 12. We need to have them renewed day by day. And we need to obey the Lord. And you know what? He has given to us of his spirit to obey him, hasn't he? Otherwise, what's the spirit for? He might as well just take us to heaven. I believe we are in a process of sanctification. We've had a sanctification moment where God has set us apart. Sanctified just means we've been made holy. We've been set apart. We had that when we were born again, if you've been born again. But we're in a sanctification process and I say that process as something practical that's working out of us. When Paul says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, you're working out that which God has done in you. Where are we seeing that today? I hope this has been in, informative to you. I hope that you will not put your trust in men. I don't care what party jersey they wear. I don't care what word they say. I hope that your hope will always and your trust will be in the Lord, not in fallen men. Even the best of men can fall. And if you don't believe that, go read the story of David. It wasn't just with Bathsheba. It wasn't just your, with Uriah. It was with the nation at large. It cost tens of thousands of people. We quoted this several weeks ago when he did his illegal census. It wasn't just that. He didn't, he didn't control his own kids, kind of like Eli. When he knew they were sinning, he didn't control his own kids. This is a man after God's own heart. If the best of men, let's take John the Baptist, the greatest prophet since you know, time began, what Jesus says, born among women. And yet John had his doubts. Is this the Christ? When he gets in prison, his disciples come, is this the Christ? Is this the one we've been waiting for? Well, dude, you've been preaching it. Don't you believe it? And Jesus sent the disciple and says, yeah, tell them the blind see, the, the lame are walking, the, the deaf are hearing, the mute's talking. Yeah, it's me. Even the best of men are prone to failure. The one we are to follow and follow in his footsteps we are to do is the Lord Jesus Christ. 
So with that said, Bradley be with you at three, I guess. If not, you'll have a education video up there. If uh, if he is, then you'll catch that at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, sonsoflibertymedia.com, and then we'll be back with you in the morning, bright and early, with the Common Core Diva, Lynn Taylor, for Rotten Low Core Wednesday. Lord willing, we're gonna, we'll have that on. Talk to you then. See ya.